Hi, Chris Fallotton here. Thanks for tuning in to my podcast. I'm so excited about my new show, Cultural Catalyst, where we help you to learn how to live fully alive, co-labor with God, and change the world. You can watch it weekly on my YouTube channel or listen to it here. Hope you enjoy it. Welcome to Cultural Catalyst, where we help you to learn how to live fully alive, co-labor with God, and change the world. I'm Chris Fallotton, your host, and today... I have Greg Hendricks with me. He's a pastor from Rock Church in San Diego. I think you actually are moved on from that, but you used to be a pro basketball player, and you actually have a ministry. What's your ministry called right now? I have uh, two ministries. Actually, one is a consultant called Rama Insight LLC, and then I also have a ministry called Kingdom Collective. Wow, and you're also working with Braveco. Yeah, and working with Brave Cole now. It's I heard it's today amazing. you came on the team. Come on. It's uh it's it's gonna be fun. We got a lot in store. Men, get ready because it's about that time to turn up. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna change the world here, bro. I'm 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 excited. I love changing the world, but more importantly, I love doing it with people I love, like yourself and Jay and the whole Brave Crew and Bethel family. It's gonna be phenomenal. I'm excited too. And listen, we're gonna talk about overcoming fatherlessness that's going to be our major topic today you and i have a very similar story so why don't we start with your story tell us tell me a little bit about your background how you found christ how you grew up and you got a beautiful wife and three kids yeah there it is yeah yes it was a i could tell you this much i wasn't raised in the church church was not my background i had no grid for god uh i knew there was God, but I didn't understand anything about a relationship with him. My wife didn't have any grid for God. Her family is not uh, brought up in a church. So we had no church grid prior to my encounter. Um, I grew up in San Diego, California, where I currently live right now. And, uh, you know, play pro basketball, have no father in the home. I still don't know my dad till this day. And raised by a single mother uh, who's Hispanic. So I'm half Hispanic, half black. And so I was raised primarily in a Hispanic home, uh, but all, obviously all my friends are, are black. African American, I played basketball growing up. And, you know, growing up in, in a big city, uh, you're just trying to find, you know, who you are and what you love, what you like to do. And I gravitated towards playing sports early on because I just felt like I could be around people that like to do the same thing I like to do. And I ended up becoming a real prominent player in my city. Um, becoming the best player at a certain year in my city, um, ended up going to a college, a division two, um, college in uh, Cal Poly Pomona and Pomona, California, uh, wasn't quite satisfied. I wanted to do more. I wanted to play division one basketball. That's most aspiring kids dreams, a part of playing pro. And, uh, I ended up transferring to a junior college for two years, um, ended up meeting my girlfriend, who's now my wife there. Um, along the way, not even knowing God, which is a crazy, amazing story. Ended up transferring to Division One College in Kentucky. Uh, that's in the Ohio Valley Conference. Same conference as, you know, NBA star John Morant came out of that conference. A really strong conference. Moorhead, Kentucky. I went to Moorhead State University. Then I graduated. All this not knowing Christ. All this not having a relationship with God. Just aspiring to be uh, a professional basketball player or really just aspiring to do something with my life because yeah. my yeah. environment growing up, I didn't, 
you know, based on the statistics for a, a person of my my the way I look, how I am, I don't have very high statistics of doing anything with your life. So the fact that I even got to go to college was was phenomenal for me. I thought I had made it, but you know, I had aspirations like every other young athlete playing professional. I ended up graduating uh, with a bachelor's degree uh, from college, the first in my in my family to ever graduate with wow. a college degree. Wow. And then I ended up going to play professional basketball uh, for eight years. And um, in the midst of that eight years, I got hurt um, in the middle of that, um, which afforded me the opportunity to coach in the NBA as a volunteer assistant with the Seattle Supersonics for a year, which is one of the, you know, one of the great treasures of my life. And it's actually where I actually saw uh, a relationship with God modeled to me was wow. in uh, from a guy on that team. And that planted the seed in me. I didn't give my life to Christ. I didn't change. Nothing supernatural happened until about four years later uh, when I had an encounter with God and everything changed from there. And it actually really started from seeing this man on the team, uh, how he carried himself and how he walked with God. It was a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, time. And uh, it was tough. It was hard. I didn't know what I was doing, just kind of working my way not having a father, not having someone speaking into my life as a male figure, but uh, God and God's grace. Now that I have language for it and God's grace, you know, everything worked out for the good till this day. So just a small snapshot and we can get into some particulars, but that's a small snapshot of, of coming, coming up. And how, growing. how old was your mama when she had you? My mom was very young at the time. I believe she was about 26 at the time that she had me um, and she uh, worked hard. I mean, she was a single mom. She was working really hard. She was really not around much because she worked multiple jobs like most single moms do. Yeah. Uh, my grandmother was around a, a whole lot more. Um, and I didn't find this out till I got uh, later on in life. My grandmother was illiterate and she couldn't read and write. Wow. And so growing up in a home, you know, the things that I didn't know, you know, we wouldn't do very much. We wouldn't go very many places because I found this out that my grandmother couldn't read and write. So, you know, she, you know, we couldn't, you no, know, we only couldn't take the bus. We only had to take certain buses places because she only knew certain numbers. It was I, very limited in my ability to grow and scale and do all that stuff as a young person. And like I said, uh, it was the grace of God, man. I'm telling you, like, especially not even knowing God. Now I look back, it was a grace that was over our family at the time. It's amazing how God's in our life before we're in his. For right. real. That's, that's, that's so true. So true. And he was definitely in my life. I saw his hand, like, you know, looking back and reflecting back on my life. I saw his hand more so than other. And I always thought, wow, you know, that's, I would say that's God. But I didn't have a relationship with Jesus by any means. But I would say, oh, that's God. That's God right there. That's God. And and I was always proclaiming God out of my mouth, but my life definitely wasn't adding up to that by any means. Greg, I lost my dad when I was three. He drowned when I was three. You you never known your dad, right? To this day. Have you ever tried to find your dad? Yeah, I mean, you know, you do the ancestry dot, you know, dot com things and you try to do the lineage piece. I've asked my mom. Um, I'm a product uh, and I can say this openly. My mom and I've had this. Guy. I'm a product of a one night stand. And so I, I was a one night stand kid. And from what my mother told me is that 
he actually tried to come and my mom was going through a whole lot of dark stuff in her life at the time. And she told him to leave. I think he wanted to take me. And she was like, no, you're not taking him. And he, I ended up being raised by her. But I tried to look, never found anything. And it's always kind of led to a dead end type of thing. And for a while, it made me bitter. But like I said, after God really came into my life and I started to encounter Jesus on a whole nother level, he started to unwind me of like all these lies all these ceilings that society was putting into my head and on my life. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, and, and, and now, like I said, I, I have the opportunity to do that for others, including setting, rewriting the narrative for my own family that I have currently. Yeah, it, it's, it's kind of tough becoming a father when you haven't been a father, right? It's hard to become what you haven't seen or heard. And so, and you're, you're writing a book, or you've written a book, actually, on overcoming fatherlessness. So how did you, you, you know, like, I, I had the same journey. I ended up with two stepfathers. I don't think you had a stepfather, did you? Never. No. Nope. So, but neither one of my stepfathers liked me, which I'm not sure that's a whole lot of improvement. And then when I got saved, I ended up with a spiritual dad the day I got saved who was actually more like a big brother because he's only four years older than me and I was 18. What kind of influences, like how have you learned how to be a dad when it was never modeled for you? Great question. So, you know, and <laughs> something that I did when I was younger and looking back on it, it I thought it was a defense mechanism, but it was actually God doing something in me before, like you were saying, before I even knew him. So what I would do is the men that I would meet that just had a profound impact on me, I would take the best characteristic of that man. So, for example, if this person was humorous, I would take his humor. If this person was kind, I would take his kindness. If this person was generous, I would take his generosity. And I would just compile all these amazing attributes from all these different men that I met over the course of my life. Um, up until the point I, I gave my life to Jesus and I compiled this dad in my head and in my heart. Like, hey, that would be my dad if if I met my dad. And one day after I got saved and gave my life to Christ, God actually brought that up. He said, hey, so you remember how you were when you were younger and you were compiling all these things, you know, about the different people yeah. you met? And I said, yeah. yeah. He said, write them out. So I started writing them all out and it was like, kindness, patience, faithfulness, humor, funny, you know, deep listener, all these things. And then he's and then I got to the end and I was like, and he says, who do you think that describes? And I and, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, that describes you. He said, that's how much I love you and how much my grace has been in your life that I would reveal myself through these different people, through those attributes. That's essentially that was my starting point of learning to become a father, was taking the best attributes out of these people and compiling in my heart and in my mind what I thought in my heart and my mind a real dad should look like. So you kind of had a fantasy dad who became your reality dad, right? Yeah. I mean, you're kind of living with this fantasy of, hey, my dad probably looks like this. And mm -hmm. you take all those attributes, the best of all those men, and you're like, this is my fantasy dad. This is this is what I believe in. If my father ever showed up, he would look like this. 
and then you get saved and your father shows up. Yeah, absolutely. And he actually looks like that. And one of those characteristics was challenging me, like pushing me, you know, like like jamming me up. Like it wasn't all just airy. Yeah. It was like hard stuff like, yo, watch your mouth. Why are you treating that girl that way or whatever the case may be? You know, like it was it was hard things as well as amazing things. And like you said, at the end, I looked at it. I was like, wow, that's that's a that's God. Like that's that's you. And he was like, yeah, that's me. And it was just, man, it, it made me cry. I cried for like three days straight, especially, you know, because I, I gave my life to Christ. And I saw like a I saw like his grace before I even had language for what that was. You know, I know you pretty well. It, it, people say this about me, too. It's amazing how healthy you are for how broken of background you have. And how much of that, like when you received Christ, how did that change your life? I, I know you're already on a trajectory. You're already looking for God. You, you, already, you already have something going on inside of you. You, you saw a man who knew God and it, it planted a seed in you. When you actually received Christ, how did it? What kind of impact did it have on you? Man, it changed everything. Um, prior to that, um, playing professional basketball, doing all these things, traveling the world, seeing the world, making a little money, but not a whole lot of money. Um, I just wasn't fulfilled, honestly. And I was like, man, there has to be more to this. And by that time, I'd had my second son, so now I'm in this thought of my mind, like. I got to do something for my children and I don't even necessarily know how to be a dad because half of the time out of the year, I'm not even at home. My wife's holding down the fort. Her family's helping her. I still don't even know how to be a dad. So there has to be more. So when I gave my life to Christ, I was it, I gave my life to Christ actually at probably one of the lowest points of my life Wow! is when I got back from playing professional basketball. It was my last year playing. I was coming back from the Ukraine. And I didn't have a really good experience there. And I flew when I was flying back, you know, I, I knew I was like, I'm done playing professional basketball. Like I just didn't have an enemy anymore. And plus my family was developing. I, I was at work overnight and talking to one of my friends. I worked an overnight security job at a golf resort in Washington at the time. And I was talking to my friend and he was telling me about. Uh, an evangelist out of San Diego is like, man, you like this dude. He's funny, man. You'll like the church, blah, 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 blah. He's just going on and on. And, and I was like, oh, let me check it out. So I went online and watched three online services at the time. This again, no grid from God at all. No grid for God. And by the third service, he gives the altar call on the video. So I stand up in the middle of work, <laughs> say, okay, you know what, Jesus, I'm giving, I'm really giving you my life. Like, no more games. I'm not saying that. I'm really going to give you my life and I'm not turning back. And this bright light came into the room. I thought I was having a heart attack. <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. This bright light came into the room and it felt like, I don't know, it may have felt like 15 minutes, but in reality, it was really only like five. And I just started crying and I was crying not because I was sad. I was crying because what God was doing, he was unwinding me of all of the lies. Wow, that's so all, good. All, all of the ceilings that society put me and, 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 and everything that everybody has ever said to me publicly, privately, 
from my family, anybody. He was just unwinding everything. So it was like I was just draining myself, crying like a little baby. And he's like, you're mine now. I'm about to rebuild you so you know what it looks like to be my disciple, to be in love with me. And more importantly, for you to do the same with your children, to be a father. And I was like, man, so I'm just crying, crying, crying. This light's in the room. My heart's beating really quick. I'm sweating. And then it leaves. And then I'm back at work. And that's it. And I'm like, well, I guess I gave my life to Jesus. You know, like, I don't, <laughs> I guess that's, that's it. You know, like, and so I came home that morning and uh, I told my wife, and she was, I told my girl, she was my girl at the time. She wasn't, we weren't even married. And, uh, and I said, I, I believe I gave my life to Jesus. And he wants me to get on a plane and fly to San Diego. And, and she says, you gave your life to who? And I was like, I, I, I gave my life to Jesus. <laughs> and she was like, and she got snappy with me. She actually got pissed off. She was upset. She goes, Really? And, and God's speaking to you? I said, yeah, he told me to get on a plane and fly to San Diego and meet this pastor. It's weird. Like, I'm hearing him. Like, I can hear him talking to me. And she was like, what'd he say about me? Is he saying anything about me? Like, she like she got really upset. And she could tell you this, and she would tell everybody that's watching this. She thought at that time that our relationship was over. She thought that we were going to split and that we weren't going to be together anymore because... I was going this way. She didn't even have understanding or grid and and she didn't her family wasn't wow. raising the show. She felt disqualified wow. right away. Wow. And so uh I ended up getting on this plane, flying to San Diego, meeting the pastor, which is a whole nother God story. But at the end of the day, what was really beautiful about that is that I no longer felt like there was a, a cap on me anymore. Like I was like, man, I can actually learn how to, you know, be a, a a husband or and be a dad to my kids. And prior to that, last thing I'll say about that is that I really I wanted to marry my wife, but I had a real problem with being a womanizer. And 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 she knows this. And so I struggled with that. And so I didn't want to be the guy that married his wife and be that dog that's cheating on his wife. I didn't want to do that because I've seen it break families and I seen what it did. And I seen, I seen, I wouldn't want to raise my kids that way as a father. And so when I got saved and gave my life to Christ, I heard this real clear. He said, you can marry my daughter. Now you have my permission. And then we, that's how, that's how we got married. And, and did that change your relationship with her? Oh, totally. Totally. Because it, it, I'm not going to sit here and lie. I mean, it was out the gate. It was tough because I'm growing and, you know, trying to help her grow at the same time. We weren't a part of a, an amazing church at the time in the small town we were living in. I mean, I lived in a really, really small town in Washington state. Talking about 2000 It's like smaller, almost smaller than Weaverville. If you can, you can Come even, on. if you can even imagine that, that'd be hard. But, to uh, I mean, it's a town of one, one, one gun, one, one bullet, one sheriff, one black person. It's all a one of everything. And you were the one black person. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. 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 But I found God there and literally the Lord had to take me out of my city, literally put me in the wilderness for me to discover him. But when that happened, everything started turning and 
It was like, how obedient and how faithful you going to be to me? Because the more obedience you give to me and the more faithfulness you give to me, the more I'm going to do that in your understanding of how to be a father, a husband, and more importantly, a believer in me. How long was it before you guys got married? I, I don't we ended up getting story. married uh, the, the following year. Wow. wow. Uh, so I got saved in 2009. It was the end of 2009. And... Uh, the following year, we got married in 2010 uh, to each other in this small town. And what's funny is that that small town, the only place you would ever catch me is at the gym or walking home. You would never see me to the point that a lot of people in that town, you know, it's a small town. You lived in Weaverville, yeah. so you know what yeah. it is. It's yeah. like everybody know each other yeah. and everybody know your business. Yeah. And so they always thought my wife. She's she's very beautiful too, and so they're like, oh, you know, you have a you have a, a fiance, you have a you have a husband, like you know, no, oh, we never see him. And then when I got saved, the whole town opened up to me. I ended up becoming the coach of the local high school basketball team there. <laughs> I ended up becoming, you know, they they wanted me to run for mayor at a certain point, you know, and so it turned into, you know, hey. You're Lisa's husband, too. Hey, you're Greg's wife. She's like, what do you mean? I grew up here. She won a state basketball championship there and everything. But everything turned around based on, you know, really being obedient and following the Lord and listening to his voice. I got to ask you this. Did you guys win any games? Oh, yeah. So we yeah, this that's an even better question. So they were horrible. They didn't win one game, I think, for four years. They were oh and oh and whatever they were, 20 something for four years straight. I came in, and the first year, we won two games. And you would have thought we won the NBA championship. Because <laughs> everybody was like, oh, my God, the program's turning around. And, you know, I'm in there talking about Jesus. This is a public school. And I'm in there talking about Jesus, and I don't know anything. I'm just on fire. I just, I just came to the Lord. I'm teaching these kids. You know what's crazy is that I was teaching these kids core values and principles based off the personhood of Jesus, and I didn't even know it. Hey, man, you got to be on time. Hey, man, you got to be honest. You got to be truthful. You got to be faithful. This is your team, man. I'm, I'm sharing this stuff with these young kids, and they just, like, ate it all up. They loved it because it was transforming their lives. And then wow. as I was saying that to them, and the community was seeing how these young boys were being transformed, their parents got involved and the family started being transformed. It was really, really powerful, beautiful, and very humbling to be a part of at the same time. Did you ever get any better than two games? Yeah, we ended up the next year, we ended up winning uh, six games. It was all over the paper. They wrote a huge <laughs> article about it. I was like, you know, it's small town, man. So, you, again, you might have thought we had won a championship. But they wrote this crazy article about faith and sports. And about my relationship with Christ and, you know, they they dived into my past with the Seattle Supersonics and how I was working with them for a while and just what God had did in my life at that time. They actually wrote about it in the public paper. And I had so many people come up to me just wanting to talk about God. It wasn't even about basketball. Hey, can you tell me about God? And it ended up being like a big part of my my uh, testimony and witness at the time to share about Christ in my life. Dude, you're writing a book about fatherlessness, about your story. Yeah. What would you say, you know, we're going to have a lot of people watching this that don't got a dad. And growing up, 
a lot like you or me. The African-American community is largely fatherless. America is largely fatherless and moving the wrong direction, as we both know. What would you say to the person who doesn't have a daddy? What would you say to that person who has an absent father? How would you encourage them? I would tell them first that your story is not dictated by your lack, but more importantly, by who you have access to. Number one. Number two, that they're loved, even though they may not feel loved on in this life right now on the planet Earth. They may not feel love because their father's not around, but they are loved. Number three is how willing are you able to or wanting to get over being an offended? Because that was a big, big, big obstacle for me. Like offense, offense is the greatest hindrance to breakthrough. When you when when you walk around offended, you don't you can't see through the lens of Christ. You can't see through the lens of being redeemed or reformed or built back up appropriately because there's always going to be something there that's taking up space where God wants to inhabit. So those are like the three major questions I ask somebody and then I would encourage them, hey, if you really, really want to be well, you really, really want to grow, you really, really want to have an opportunity, you know, can we start on these three pillars right here? And if you're willing to do that, then I guarantee you, you will start to see traction towards the breakthrough that God has in store because someone else's breakthrough is not my breakthrough, vice versa. And everybody's story is different. But at the at the meta narrative of all of that is like, how much do you desire to feel fulfilled, to feel champion and feel propelled into your destiny? And if that's the case, you say, yeah, and you're really about that life and you're really about wanting to be well. Let's start with these three things. Offense is a big one, though. When is your book coming out and what's the name of it? The book, the name of the book is The Way, Truth, Life. Uh, keys from going from victim to victory. Uh, and it's supposed to come out at the end of September. That is the due date we're going to be pushing for. I'm really excited about it. I wrote it uh, during uh, pandemic, end of pandemic. Um, so there's a lot of great, there's some great stories in there, great principles. And again, it's just little key things that I've learned along my journey of you know, receiving my breakthrough, receiving my full identity in Christ that I'm just sharing with others. And hopefully they will share with other people that want to be healed and set free from those who may be suffering from not having a father in the home. Again, I don't know my dad till this day, but if he was to walk through the door or show up at anything I'm at, it wouldn't be nothing but full embrace. Like, hey, man, let's talk. Tell me about yourself. You know, let's do you know, what's your name? Who, who, I don't even know his name. Like what, you know, tell me about your background. Tell me if, you know, it'd be time to catch up, but there would be no offense there, but it'd be all embraced. That's beautiful. How can they get a hold of your book when it comes out? Do you have a, a website yet? We'll set up a website. Um, it's going to be on, you know, the Amazons. It's going to be on all those platforms where you can order it. We're going to do an audio version of it as well. Uh, hopefully if it's at Bethel, Bookstore, I'm just saying Come it might on. be in there. Put a plug in right now for it. I I heard it. I heard yep, it. There it is. I there heard it, it is. Yep, it might be in there. But no, it, it we'll have it all the channels open that you can receive it. Um you can get it. 
and you know amazon you know those those types of things barnes and nobles we're going to have it a full layout for that i'm really excited about it again it's, it was very private story very personal story but i found the more i open up about this the more a lot of other people suffer with it, especially with the line of work that i'm in a lot of pro i, I mentor a lot of pro athletes olympians political people and i don't care what their age or background is a lot of them deal with identity issues and the majority majority has to do with lack of fatherlessness in the home yep well i just wrote a book as you well know mm-hmm. it's called uprising the epic battle for the most fatherless generation in history and it's released october 25th so hey hey i want you to plug it and uh you got meantime, it we got this five-part series i want to tell you about five-part series um, it's uh, on on fa- it's a fathering series, five part video series, features uh, so many stories about hope, especially for pe- people who are coming out of fatherlessness. You can learn and register at www.theuprisingbook. So that's www.theuprisingbook.com. We'd love to have you on there. And uh, Greg, I'm so thankful for you. Um, I'm so thankful working together now with Jay and Braveco. And this was a fantastic interview. And I'll, I'll help. I, I, I'll give you my word to help promote your book because we're on the same page. I know your story. And we just need to put our lives together and help turn this generation around. Thank you so very much for being on. Give your wife my love. And uh, we'll do it again. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Love you too, bro. God bless you. Bye now. Thanks so much for listening to my podcast. If you want to find out more, read my blog or listen to the previous podcast episodes. Go to chrisvelton.com. Have an awesome day.